From its origin as a utility for the U.S. Department of Defense to the advent of social networks, online communities, and e-commerce, the internet is a melting pot of ideas, information, and creativity. Each week, join our hosts Michael and Josh as they explore this weird wide web and learn how this relatively new phenomenon is changing our culture. This is Generation Web. This episode of Generation Web is sponsored by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started creating your own podcast. And we'll hear more about them later. My name is Michael and we're joined here by uh, my friend Josh. And what him and I are going to try to do is take you guys on a little adventure down some rabbit holes uh, that we find real interesting on the internet. The whole idea of this podcast is to kind of... uh, find what the internet's doing, uh, how it's shaping our, our future and our culture, um, and see if we can really get into some fun topics and discussions. Uh, and again, like I said, bring you guys along for the ride. Um, I went ahead and kind of Josh prepared a couple fun things for us to talk about right off the start that I could find on the internet. Um, and just kind of going for just doing some Google searches, like what is uh, weird on the internet or what's funny or what uh, are some of the strangest things I can think of um, jerseys uh, that feel what the players feel. Um, this is something that I found uh, literally just uh, yesterday morning. Uh, it's a shirt you can buy that uh, you connect wirelessly. And when you're watching a soccer game, if someone gets hit by a ball or gets kicked, you will feel that sensation uh, as they're feeling it in the sports game. What is that going to run you? <laughs> uh, no price on this yet. Uh, and this is, again, something another rabbit hole is all these different uh, GoFundMe, the whole. Right. Uh, you know, anyone being able to try to put up a product and think they have an idea and try to get it for sale is something that you couldn't do 30, 40 years ago. Um, the trash can that uh, posts to Facebook, another product that uh, every time you throw something away, little lid opens up, snaps a picture. Uh, post it to a Facebook account. Why would anyone <laughs> want such a thing? Hey, uh, depends on what you're throwing away, but uh, this was apparently uh, Newcastle University researchers conducted an experiment to see uh, how embedding a camera in personal trash cans would affect recycling habits. So it would like, oh, post this okay. to your Facebook account. <laughs> all right. I was, you know, my, my mind's already going down the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> with, all right, now someone's going to monitor the data for what you're throwing away. Now they know what you could potentially need and then feed you advertisements based on that data that would then, you know, have an impact on what you would purchase. Uh, I would not have one of those in my home. (laughs) I don't even like having an Alexa. So not even the Amazon egg tray, which is a a connected egg tray that monitors uh, how many eggs you have in the refrigerator and displays information on a mobile app and can recommend purchasing, you know, uh, directly from Amazon. Oh my goodness. Well, that's the, that is the world that we are going to soon be living in, Michael. And it actually kind of ties into what uh, the topic that I'm going to bring up today. Um, So get ready, pull out your tin hat. I've got the tinfoil prepared, and this is kind of, uh, I guess, what this theme of this episode is going to be about. While we're all sitting at home with the crisis that's going on, um, I know YouTube's demonetizing the word coronavirus or COVID-19 specifically, Mm -hmm. so we'll kind of refer to it as the event. I know your topic directly ties into uh, what's going on when this is recording, and we're recording this just to date this, uh, I think, uh, like the first week of April, uh, not to give a specific date. Um, but that's kind of where we are in the United States right now is just beginning this lockdown. Um, and everybody and everything is using these digital services. Like we're recording this podcast, uh, via zoom because we can't be face to face right now. Um, everything's changing. We're working remotely and all of these connected services are getting stressed. Um, and I, I can't wait. Uh, we're we're going to refer to you now as the conspiracy master going forward. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, I wish uh, I had a little bit more knowledge about this whole lockdown a couple weeks ago. I would have bought some stock and Zoom and, I mean, our economy's tanking, but Zoom's doing pretty well right now. There's a couple hedge fund managers that uh, they've posted gains of like 40% um, that I was reading uh, in this crisis that that it's going on specifically because they made some key investments early in January and February uh, for their uh, different clients. Um, 
and that's almost uh, insider trading, but not. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. Um, I think it's just being intelligent. But if you had previous knowledge that this was all going to happen, then you could look at it that way. I mean, just like those congressmen that sold off all their stocks. I mean, that's insane. Those guys should get thrown in jail. If you ask me, which I don't even know if you know about, but it's neither here nor now. Rich, uh, <laughs> rich white person jail. Yeah, exactly. What were they Martha Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she ironically has more jail time than Snoop Dogg. Quick, quick little fun fact. Well, they're good friends. They are. They are. It's <laughs> weird, man. And and this is kind of the last thing I wanted to bring up before we dive into uh, what today's episode is going to be is kind of a head to head. If I, I kind of challenge Josh is uh, spend a couple minutes on the internet and let's see if we can find ourselves some some good stories that really kind of sum up uh, what the internet can be about, what could only maybe be possible by the internet. Um, and the last thing here is uh, you, there are services out there where you can have people stand in line. Um, and I do want to do a separate episode specifically on some of these new services like Lyft, Ride, uh, Uber, DoorDash, um, and how people are taking advantage of them and, and do stuff like that in the future. Oh, I'm about it, man. I am about it. All right. Without further ado, we've got two topics for you guys prepared today. I'm going uh, to explain what I've called the great internet heist. And uh, Josh, you want to tell everybody what uh, your topic is? Yeah. So um, I'd like to give it a nice little fun play on words. So the name of my topic is COVID 5G. So coronavirus potentially 5g tied into that we'll dive 5g but uh all right sit back relax guys and uh, when we'll be right back here we'll dive into the great internet heist it might have been a scene out of a movie from the great depression hundreds of frantic people tearing their hair out as they mob the doors to a bank, only to realize the bank's owners, along with their money, had vanished into thin air. This scene, however, took place not in some seemingly distant historical period, but much closer to home. The location, hold your laughter, was EVE Online. EVE Online is a science fiction-based MMORPG, and I'm not going to bore you with going into any further definition of this game. You have Google. Use it. Uh, there's a player-run bank called the Intergalactic Bank. It's a privately run in-game institution that for several months convinced players of this game to deposit their money, their in-game currency, into accounts, and the promise, just like any bank would, of accruing interest uh, on a monthly basis. And he ran this bank for several months, convinced tons of players to deposit all this money, and actually did pay out a lot of this money back to the players, just confirming the legitimacy of this whole thing. Um, this whole idea came to the halt uh, when this bank, uh, the owner of this bank, known to the game as his handle was Cali, ran off with about 790 billion ISK, or their intergalactic currency in the game. This bank was supposed to function much like a real-world bank, turning its assets into investment capital and then using the returns to pay investments back to the bank clients. Uh, instead, it functioned like a 1980s-era savings and loan with no insurance to protect the clients. In short, Cali got away scot-free, and at last report, he was still roaming EVE Online, armed and extremely wealthy. Now, that's the basic kind of script I could prepare out of researching this article, but it goes so deep that this is back in 2006. And, and why I picked this article specifically is uh, I was one of the people that had money invested in this EVE intergalactic bank. I was in high school at the time. The worth of this in today's money, and I, it's hard to explain uh, how 100 or 790 billion of this fake money in a game could be worth any real word money. Uh, but 
there are websites out there and services where you can exchange this currency for real world money. And that's about $170,000 uh, in in-game currency that he strolled out with. Um, and he hasn't cashed it out. That's the weird thing is he is known to log in from time to time and people are actively hunting him down in this giant game. Um, and, and there's even been death threats to him, and uh, there's even been uh, lawsuits filed with the FTC. Um, and there's really just been no other uh, recent things in the last three or four years that have popped up from him that I could find. But this was something that I thought was extremely interesting and that you wouldn't see happen without the internet. Uh, online communities, gaming, uh, people actually recreating an economy uh, and banks and corporations within a game itself. Um, instead of doing that in the real world, I just find fascinating how people can get lost in this. And then there are links to suicides because people lost fortunes. Uh, and this is considered, as far as uh, what the internet is concerned, is the greatest internet heist, uh, even though it's only about $170,000. Uh, in real money. I have a question for you, Michael. Yeah. And I'm actually a little bit familiar with this. Um, I was lost on YouTube at some point and came across some video that talked about gaming and e-commerce and this was brought up, but it was more of like a countdown video. And in fact, I think this topic ended up being like number one. Um, regardless, were there any legal repercussions? Uh, I, I had a little extra info bullet point here that said, unfortunately, uh, as spectacularly as disappointing as Callie's crime may be to some of those living in the EVE Online universe, it's unlikely that the FTC will be signing or logging any, uh, anything with any, uh, against anybody anytime soon. It did break, he did technically break the EULA, uh, the, the online agreement between the game and the user. Mm -hmm. But to my knowledge, he's, uh, unless there's been something that's more recent, that he has not been found. Now, this guy in particular. Now, there are, there was a, when I went to go look this up again for the purpose of this podcast, uh, I, since me being a part of this, and I only lost like 800 ISK, like it was stupid compared to the amount. Minimal. That there's someone who is now there's like this big mafia within the game. There uh, was some sort of heist that was like trillions of this in-game currency, that's even bigger than this one. Um, but as far as I'm, uh, I'm aware, Callie was not caught, quote unquote. Do they know? Do they know who he is outside of his Eve Online identity? I, I would assume they have to. The Developers of the game, yes, do know that, but and the whole purpose of EVE Online is to create a living economy, and that's kind of the dark side of this game, is there, there's no, the developers want this to be as a close to simulation as real life as possible, so they want mm -hmm. the economy to police, or the players to police it themselves. There okay. is there are corporations in the game that are that do act as the law enforcement. Um, there are judges. There are trials. There, they, it is a complete uh, lack of better culture in a game that will uh, govern itself. And that's kind of what they want. So they've been very hands off. Gotcha. I love this topic for two reasons. The first reason is um, I think it's really relevant, especially to what's going on right now. Um, with the lockdown, you know, a lot of people are staying at home playing games like Warzone, Fortnite, um, and, you know, the free-to-play microtransaction model is what a lot of game developers are going to. Um, so I think, number one, it's definitely relevant. Number two, it uh, just does bring back a bunch of memories different games I played where the same exact thing went on. Um, and I'm, I know that you're a gamer as well. So um, we probably have some crazy stories that relate to this. I find it interesting that you are also kind of a victim in this, even though it was a minuscule amount. Um, of course, I've never played EVE Online. I'm a little bit familiar with it, just on some things that I've seen, like on YouTube and stuff like that. But EVE Online spreadsheets the game 
it, it was very much like you created a new account in this game and the eve intergalactic bank the eib was a player made corporation and it was like when you playing other games where you have banks and economies the first thing i went to go look for is you had to turn in a contract and i've heard there were banks and you can make money and you start it you know put it in there and you'll make some investment or make a small percentage of return and this was the bank to invest in like this is where and you literally through the game message of the guy sent the money you got a weekly message that this was your account and this is how much uh, you have in the account and this is how much interest uh, you've earned to date or whatever um so really outside cool. of that what type of game is eve online is it like an rpg are there other things to do yes and yes um so there there's there's no defined like uh you have to do this, then you have to do this. There are no levels to complete. There are no objectives, really. Um, you pick a role, you get a spaceship, uh, you start in a, a very small kind of uh, satellite con uh, colony mm -hmm. out in space, and you pick a entry job that maybe you want to go out and mine, or maybe you want to go exploring. And based on that profession, you'll get some tasks and it's then the grind of uh, making this currency called ISK. So it's, it's like a space oriented second life based on your explanation where the goal of the game is really no different than what most people's goals are in real life, which is to be successful, which a lot of people equate to, you know, becoming wealthy. And a, a much more fun version of this game is GTA five role playing. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. If you want to bring it down to earth, this is just that in space. Okay. Um, so you kind of pick your role and it's very much a role play type environment. You have different factions, giant. I mean, at, at the top level of this game, you're part of a faction. You have giant player-created space fleets of all sorts of different types of spaceships and these massive space battles that take weeks in-game to complete. And that's maybe gotcha. a whole other topic of some of these quote-unquote wars that have taken place in-game are quite interesting. Um, so next question that I have for you is how much real-world money did you dump into this game, if any? It's about a hundred bucks. Okay. So that $100 equated to, uh, I feel like you would get more than 800 ISK. It sounds yeah, like it was, other things. It was probably like a, if I can remember, it was a, a certain X amount of ISK, maybe 2000 or something like that. Plus a like extra inventory slot for your ship. And then it like was like an extra like paint or it's skin Spray if or you will yeah. yeah um yeah it wasn't i think that was the entry pack and then i did like some the so everything you do in the game if you want to go mine a rock you fly your ship out to the run this is where the game lost me uh, you fly your ship out to a rock and you're going to mine the rock and it's going to take six hours oh my goodness so never you you could log out and then that's what you do you log out and your little ship's sitting there mining and you log back in or it's like a mobile transaction on your damn smartphone games as you mine fast now unlock you know complete the task now for x amount mm -hmm. kind of thing gotcha and i think that's drastically changed in how the game is now uh and how they've structured those microtransactions they've somehow have got to have made the game easier to get into for uh new players because this the... has been out since 2006 what uh, how can you ever catch up if you're getting in it today right that's what the ne actually that leads to the next question that i had which is do you know what the player base is like that's a good question uh i don't it's probably under a hundred thousand. Um, it's not like we're not sitting in front of two computers. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm currently online, we're looking at 37,000. Uh, the max in the last 24 hours, 39,000. The current record is 65,000. That's year to date. So yeah, they're uh, averaging, looks like on a daily basis, anywhere from 30 to 40,000 players. Okay, so it's not, you know, it's not on the scale of like a Fortnite or Warzone or Apex and the other big games that are out there. But, um, you know, the game came out in 2006. When did this Cali guy run with all of the money? So what year did this, that take place? I, I, well, I think this happened in early 06, if I remember. Okay. Because this, this was, I graduated in 06. And this happened before graduation. Um, so this had to have been, you know, right topical this time period, April, May, something along that line. Um, the article I was referring to back, and this is dated like August or September of that year to help. Um, and it looks like the, you know, all time player count of Eve was in like their heyday was 06 through 09 was kind of the 2010. The game was released in uh, end of 2003. Okay. Hmm. I find it the most interesting part of the story is that uh, not that he scammed people. I mean, that's basically what he did, but that he's just holding on to that currency and he hasn't done anything with it. I find that weird. I feel like, you know, if I were in his shoes, I would just say, hey, I'm done with this game. Let me take all of this currency that I have and sell it off for. Well, that's maybe where he's being smart because that's then where legal repercussions come in. If at, to this point, he's not violated terms of service or anything. He is playing the game. Okay. A very bad way to play the game, but he's playing the game. Um, the moment he goes and tries to sell that currency on a player auctions or, or, or other unnamed website, uh, to sell this kind of stuff, no no offense, player auctions, uh, love you, bought some accounts, sold some currency. Um, he is technically violating the terms of service, and EVE Online could then take him to small claims court or sue him or whatever they want to do, but yeah. if they wanted to. Yeah, and I know it's kind of there, – there are some laws. Um, I'm definitely not well-versed in them but i know for a fact like on ebay you cannot sell digital goods or digital currency um it's against their terms of service and i think the reason why is because ebay doesn't have the ability to protect you as a buyer um they can't ever verify if you've received the goods and i've actually been scammed selling online or digital goods or digital currency whatever you want to call it before in the past um and and that was for a much smaller amount of money and i was so angry so i couldn't imagine being uh you know an eve online player dumping a bunch of money into the bank thinking that uh in the end i'm going to get some sort of return and then all of a sudden it, it disappears especially if i really love the game um what i find weird is there had to be that had to impact the player base uh and the fact that the developers didn't do anything about it um i think in the long term that had to impact them monetarily like if i was someone who was really vested in this game i dumped a bunch of my money into a bank and then all of a sudden it turns out that it's a giant scam and I kind of lose everything. There's no reason for me other than potentially having some sort of personal vendetta uh, in hopes that I'm going to recoup that money back. There's no reason for me to kind of start from square one. Um, you know, I would just move on to something else. I mean, this what are your thoughts apparently on that? 40% of the total in-game currency. Yeah, yeah, this was, he, he controlled, he ran off with, 40% of the total amount of money in game at the time um, bankrupted players, players that have been playing for, you know, if this was early 06 and this came out in late 03, people that have put two years into the game, this guy is, runs a su successful bank for two months and you've got a million ISK already. So you say, well, screw it. I'll give him half, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. then he runs off with it a month later. You're now, that's a year's worth of work or two years worth of work down the drain. I'm sure the player base, and I'm, I'm looking at a graph here after, you know, 
uh, there doesn't look like to be a huge spike in players not playing this actually, I think, drove drum up a lot of attention to the game uh, oh, okay. and brought a lot of players to it. The publicity and kind of the whole, that's what Sea of Thieves banks on now is the whole, that's part of the game. You know, you're a pirate. Mm-hmm. Troll, troll, troll. So, yeah, it's just, it's weird. Um, you know, what's the, while we're on this topic, um, just from your perspective, like, because obviously, as I mentioned, we're both still gamers. Uh, what's the most amount of money you think you've spent on a video game? And not the game itself or just on items or in-game currency, whatever it may be. Uh, it's a little game called Overwatch. Um, skins are pretty. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say something that related to it, it's uh, not only did I have a problem with the skins for that game just because it, it they made them look so damn good I bought the game for PC I bought the game for PS4 I bought the game for Xbox it, I own it on every console it's out on I played it on every console I played it competitively on every platform i can uh one to try to find out which one which player base had the worst amount of players that i could do the best in mm-hmm. turns out that is ps4 has the absolute worst player base of overwatch um i was able to get a diamond rank there besides the point it's somewhere it's it's around a thousand wow under, maybe under over and that, that's over the period of the the game like it wasn't all at once Right, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, I was just, in fact, it was funny. I was just on um, Twitter the other day. Kendrick Perkins, who's a former NBA player, he's now an analyst on ESPN. He tweeted out uh, just a couple days ago that his son spent, uh, I think, I believe it was $10,000 on Fortnite skins and V-Bucks and stuff like that. And now he's obviously a millionaire because he's a former professional NBA player. Um, but even that was like alarming to him and he had no idea, you know, nowadays if you have a PlayStation or an Xbox, you have your credit card or debit card linked to it and you know, Hey, all right, I'll have my son occupy himself playing some Fortnite. Next thing you know, you get hit with a bill for $10,000. It's pretty crazy. And it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it not to veer too much off topic, but, um, it's something that I think our legal system is going to have to start addressing because it is somewhat a form of like online gambling and it can be addictive. So it's, uh, the world, impacts- world health organization as of this last week has doubled back on their statement. This is gaming's not addictive. Be a part together or whatever, play games. It's not addicting anymore. I disagree with that 1000%. I know I would beat my kid if he spent, I don't have a child. I shouldn't really be saying that I'd beat a child, but I would be very upset. I'd be very angry if I had a child that uh, unknowingly to me spent a bunch of money on basically nothing of real world value. That's the crazy thing about it too. It's not like you're seeing anything out of it. It's a skin in a video game. So who's... Uh, whose job is it? Is it the parent's job to parent the kid or is it the developer's job to make those less appealing and easy? No, it's a good point. I mean, it, I mean, I view myself as someone who's a capitalist. I think if the video game, if the developers are trying to make as much money as possible, that's fine. Um, I don't necessarily blame them. I definitely put more blame on the parents, but it's very difficult, especially if you have a couple children, they all have their own consoles. You know, now you can play Fortnite on your phone. It's impossible to monitor what they're doing. So maybe there needs to be some sort of process in place so that you can't just basically click a button, spend $20 and, and acquire a skin in 30 seconds. Um, I think both sides need to give a little bit. I think parents need to pay more attention to what their children are doing. And I think the developers maybe should put some precautions in place so that these things aren't as accessible. 
and so that they don't continue to happen. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? We're going to save that for episode two. And I, <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will put my opinion. Loot boxes are not gambling. The system's really? fine the way it is. I don't oh have time goodness. to play. I don't have time to play video games anymore. So if I want to pay $30, $40 to fast track myself, to get to where I want to go, to the parts I want to play, or look the way I want to look without spending the hours grinding, I have a right to. I make enough money to do that. So that's episode no. two. That'll come out. We'll try to get this weekly, maybe next week. We'll pull in maybe some more gaming people. That'll be a fun discussion. Loot boxes. Gambling? Stay well, tuned. I, I uh, real quick, before we segue, I'm not disagreeing with that notion, but what you mentioned right there isn't, doesn't necessarily equate to a loot box. If you want to pay to advance in a game and you know that that's what's going to occur, then that's one thing. It's another thing when it's just, you know, you're taking a chance mm-hmm. to potentially progress. That's all. I'm, I'm cool with saying, hey, I want to spend an extra 50 bucks to, to get a little bit further in the game or to make myself better. I've done it before in the past. Uh, big Diablo 2 player bought items online and I've sold items online. I've scammed people. So I was like Cali, but to a little bit of a lesser degree, I wish that I was able to just kind of control the entire economy of a game. That would be cool, but I would do it for real world financial reasons. Um, And just before we segue, just so that um, because we're talking about this topic and I had already previously mentioned it, I would like to just bring up my story about, um, how I was scammed as well. Real quick story probably has happened to a bunch of other people. And it was again, like a hundred bucks and I was furious, but NHL or all the EA games, they have a game mode called ultimate team. You play sports games. You're familiar with that. Um, And basically you open packs of cards, you get certain players, you earn coins to buy packs in the game by winning games or doing certain challenges or just by paying real world money. Um, I was a big ultimate team player in one of the NHL games a couple years ago. Uh, One of the first packs that I opened. So I didn't even pay real world money to purchase the pack. So it was just by luck. I happened to get Vladimir Tarasenko, who is an NHL superstar, one of the best players in the game and one of the most rare cards. I went and then sold that card in the auction house for X amount of coins. I don't really necessarily remember, um, but there are a bunch of websites out there that will tell you, you know, if you have this amount of coins, that equates to this amount of money. So I then took those coins and decided, hey, I'm going to put them on eBay and sell it. I know it's technically against um, eBay's terms of service, but people still do it. So uh, I had someone purchase, and it was funny because I put the posting up on eBay and literally like within an hour, someone had purchased all of my coins for, it was somewhere around $100. Um, All he did was he messaged me his gamer tag and then I sent him the coins over the game. I thought it was a pretty smooth transaction. The guy was happy. Everything was all well and good until about two days later when I noticed that the money that I was supposed to receive never ended up, never ended up in my bank account. And he had put in a dispute with eBay claiming that he had never received the goods. Um, An eBay representative contacted me and asked me for proof that I had sent the goods. And that would be the only way that I'd be able to receive my money. Of course, I didn't ship anything out to the guy, so I really had no proof. I did take a video of me sending the currency to him on the game uh, just as a precaution. I did send that to eBay, and they basically told me that, like, hey, this is against our terms of service. We can't back you up based on this evidence. And in the long run, I was beat for the $100. I never received the money, and I lost all of the coins. Um, So... Yeah, and that was the end of my ultimate team playing experience. <laughs> so maybe ultimate team is the greater internet heist. And with that, uh, we'll lead yeah, into Josh's uh, topic here when we get right back. Sweet. All right, everyone. As promised, break out the tinfoil hats. Uh, COVID 5G, 
So we're going to talk a little bit about the coronavirus. We're going to talk a little bit about a conspiracy that relates to 5G networks. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about here, though, right off the bat, is um, I need to make sure that everyone that's listening to this podcast is aware of what a virus is. So basically, uh, and this is a real simple definition, and by no means am I... Uh, I don't have a PhD in biology or infectious diseases, but a virus is, is a microscopic agent um, that has the ability to replicate inside of living cells. Um, so viruses derive from living organisms. Uh, the best way to think about it is uh, a living organism is exposed to something external and it re- and what happens is, is that the body releases toxins uh, and it's, those toxins are released in a form of like a protein um, or DNA. And then that DNA is released some way. So for example, coughing or sneezing. Um, if that infectious agent is then, for example, inhaled, uh, could have an impact on another living organism. So uh, that's a real simple definition of what a virus is and how it works. Based on that information, um, one of the first things that uh, scientists try to figure out when there is a, a pandemic such as now is where did a particular virus uh, originate from? And right now with the coronavirus, um, I think initially off the bat, uh, scientists thought that it may have derived from a bat. And I believe now, at least based on the research that I've done, um, that is no longer the case. Uh, Most scientists think that the coronavirus or COVID-19, I'll be a little bit more specific because the coronavirus has been around for a while, but this particular strain, COVID-19, apparently uh, derived from a fish market in Wuhan, China, either from some sort of fish or shrimp that wasn't handled properly, uh, and then therefore it infected human beings and it spread from there. Um, What if I told you that that wasn't necessarily the case? Um, And it's not a far stretch of the imagination to think that that wasn't the case because still to this day, um, they don't have a patient zero. They don't know who the first individual was that was infected with COVID-19. And I don't think they'll be able to figure that out. Um, But what if I told you that the coronavirus could have potentially started from 5G, um, which basically is just an electromagnetic frequency. Um, Now that probably sounds crazy right off the bat, that how could a technology such as that cause a global pandemic? Um, And I'm going to try to provide you guys with some evidence as to why that could be the case. And again, I know this sounds crazy, but just stick with me here. And uh, I think I can put together a pretty compelling argument. Whether or not you agree and are able to, you know, draw the connection that yes, COVID-19 came from uh, 5G electromagnetic frequencies is one thing, but it's not outlandish to necessarily believe that something such as 5G could cause a virus or a reaction from a living organism. So one of the first things that I'd uh, like to point out here about 5G or just RFR technology in general is that it definitely has an impact on living organisms. Um, Most scientists would agree on this. where you have a disagreement is the level of impact. Um, meaning, meaning that we know that um, these types of frequencies have some sort of radiation associated with them. And there are human beings can withstand to a degree, a certain level of 
radiation that will not have an impact on you. So for example, you can go get an x-ray and you're not going to walk out of that x-ray booth with a tumor and you probably won't, you know, end up with cancer. But um, it still does have an impact on your cells. Maybe very, very, very minimal, but it still has an impact on your cells. And they're able to determine this based on a bunch of studies that, that, that they do, where they take rats and they expose them to radiation and x-rays and microwaves and all these different frequencies uh, or elect electromagnetic frequencies to determine the impact that those, that those wavelengths have on a living organism. Um, and most of the telecom companies right now would tell you that 5G is 100% safe, that it's not going to, it's not radioactive enough to have an impact on one's health. And one of the reasons why is, is because of the testing that's been done back in the 80s and 90s and the standards that are in place and uh, from the 80s and 90s that are basically saying that, hey, frequencies within this spectrum don't really have a negative impact on our health, 3G, 4, 4G, 5G, uh, uh, infrared would be some examples. Um, but with that being said, there really hasn't been enough research done to see how much of an impact that 5G would have on our health as human beings. Um, and towards the end of 2019, uh, 5G towers were starting to be built all over the, the globe. And one of the first places that 5G towers went up actually was in China and more specifically in the Wuhan region of China, which right off the bat, that's kind of a weird coincidence that Wuhan and the people of Wuhan were the first individuals that were exposed to 5G technology. That also happens to be where the COVID-19 coronavirus uh, originated. But if you follow that trend throughout history, you can start to see some other weird coincidences. So what year did 3G come out? If you do some research, pull it up on Google, you'll find out that 3G technology uh, came out in 2003. And if you do a little bit more digging, you'll find out that in 2003, that also happened to be the same year that uh, SARS, the SARS pandemic took place. And if you look a little bit further, so if 2009 when 4G technology came out uh, and you take a look at what happened in 2009, uh, H1N1, the, I think it was referred to as the bird flu, also took place in 2009. So if you just look at 2003, 3G was released, SARS happened. 2009, 4G was released, H1N1 happened. Now we're in 2019, 2020, and we have this COVID-19. And that could all just seem like a coincidence. But if you go all the way back to 1968, uh, when satellite technology was first coming about, um, there was the Hong Kong flu. So as you can see, as technology has advanced, and us as human beings have been um, exposed to these different electromagnetic frequencies, um, there could, you could argue that there's potentially been an impact on our health with the different uh, pandemics and viruses that have just coincidentally happened to have occurred right after human beings exposure to that technology. Um, so based on all of that information, Michael, just because I've been, you know, I've had the, held the discussion here now for the past five or 10 minutes. What are your initial thoughts? You crazy. No, um, <laughs> to, to kind of feed the fuel you, you've, or the fire with some fuel here, the uh, uh, radio, you're, you're talking about uh, overexposure to high frequency uh, Correct. radio EM waves. Absolutely. Um, EMF. Which is part of the electromagnetic spectrum, which if you've watched anything on the Discovery or Travel Channel in the last five years, you've watched a ghost hunting show, you know that EMF can cause weird things with the body and the psyche and the mind and 
it caused people to fear, feel weird in certain levels. Um, that same electromagnetic radiation is what we're talking about here uh, with 5G um, or 3G and, and, and satellites. So inferring that you're, you're, you're saying that some people maybe are predisposed to some of this exposure and other ways that make them more susceptible to um, that the same type of technology, EMF or radio frequencies is being used in the medical field. Uh, just again, adding some fuel to your fire that uh, they've found that a certain radio frequency uh, when vibrating cancer cells uh, will cause them to uh, kill themselves, uh, basically disintegrate. Yes, correct. Which not then that far if we can kill a virus um, like cancer or disease, could that, that same destructuring of a cell, could you also create a virus the same way? Is that how you're drawing some connections here? Correct. So basically that EMF exposure is toxic to a living organism's body. And then therefore the body needs to release those toxins. It does that in the form of a virus, which then spreads. And if you take a look at, and, and we can really get far down the rabbit hole in this, but if you take a look at the areas where um, people are being impacted most by this COVID-19 virus. They also happen to be in the areas that have the most 5G coverage. So China, specifically Wuhan, um, Spain would be another, and Italy would be uh, another as well. In Italy, I know they put up a ton of 5G towers and it's not that simple because these also happen to be areas that are heavily populated. So it, it makes it easier for the virus to spread but those would also be the better candidates for 5G to begin with. Correct, because they're populated cities. Same with New York City. And, you know, if you, if you took a look at just the United States uh, and you look at a graph of which states are being impacted the most by COVID-19, you have New York City's number one, I think New Jersey's number two, California's number three. But those areas happen to also be the areas with the most 5G technology, which again, could just be a result of those hap happen to be the most populated areas, but it is just a very weird coincidence. Um, you look at like a state like Alabama that has had no or very little or very few cases of COVID-19, they also don't have any 5G towers in place yet, which is mm. interesting. Mm. I think, I think the bigger the or when i discuss this topic uh the, the the larger question that comes into play here is well why um is it just out of ignorance you know let's just assume that the conclusion that i'm drawing is accurate and correct which again is it's a, it's a leap of faith but um if if we knew for certain that 5g could cause a virus or a pandemic, then why would our government and why would these big corporations um, allow it to occur? And there's only two explanations for that, right? Either the first one is one, they're too ignorant to know, which could be possible. If you look at like some of the big telecom companies, they might not know that that's that that would be the result of what they're doing. But the second thing is, and this kind of ties back into the first thing that you talked about today, when you talked about that trash can that takes a picture and posts your trash mm -hmm. on Facebook, is that 5G and the reason why these 5G towers are being built right now is because we are now coming out with technology that's going to be dependent on 5G, right? So you have the IoT um, where quite simply, if you're not familiar with that, is all of your devices, your car, your fridge, your toaster, your coffee maker, are all going to be tied to a grid. That grid has a connection to the internet. And the reason for that is one, it 
creates a bunch of cool features that you can now take advantage of. So you can open up your smartphone and turn on your coffee maker while you're, you know, uh, driving home from wherever it is you are. Um, but two, they're able to pull data from those things as well. So they're able to know how many times you're brewing coffee, how many times you open your fridge throughout the day and things like that. And then based on that information, um, they can then compile that data and determine, all right, well, if you're brewing coffee at this rate, then you'd need to purchase coffee at this rate. And there's a whole, if you just follow the money, you could see why, um, why big corporations are pushing for 5G. And you have the other end of the spectrum. You have Elon Musk on his pile of money with Starlink pushing in the opposite direction. In the opposite direction? How so? Well, it, it as opposed to putting 5G on the ground, he wants to put 5G in space. Right. Gotcha. I thought you meant from a different perspective, not when you said from a, when you said, uh, when you explained it that way, I thought you meant like, oh, well, Elon Musk isn't doing it for financial reasons when he certainly is. Oh, no, a absolutely. He's, he is our corporate overlord. I'll, I'll hail Elon Musk. Um, he will yeah. save us from ourselves well it's funny you bring up elon musk and again not to veer too much off topic but um if you look at ev right like electric vehicles tesla dominates the market um you know you could go to your in fact this is a true story i just bought a new vehicle uh about a month ago i bought it from a bmw dealership and while i was in the bmw dealership in the showroom they had one of their electric bmws i forget the model it's really nice vehicle and uh, i asked the salesman like how many of these do you actually sell and he told me that he had been with bmw at that particular dealership for two years and no one has ever purchased an electric BMW from that dealership within the past two years. Um, so I asked him why I was just out of curiosity, you know, like why did it's a nice car? Why would no one buy it? You know, there's tons of people out there that think that electric vehicles are better for the environment. And you would just assume that someone would purchase something like that. And he explained that the technology in those vehicles is not really good. It doesn't compare to Tesla. So for example, I think the battery life on those, on this particular model that, that we were talking about was something like 160 to 200 miles. So after 160 miles, you have to recharge that battery. And down here in Florida, there aren't a lot of places that you can just stop on the road and charge your electric vehicle. Or if you look at Tesla, and again, I am not well versed in this, but I know that their battery life is much better. Um, their performance, what they're able to get out of those vehicles is much better than what you would get from an electric BMW or an electric Nissan. Um, but what Tesla is doing is they patented all their technology and none of it is like, at least from what my understanding is, it's not open source. So BMW can't pull resources from what they got going on uh, or what Elon Musk has going on. So he's kind of controlling that market at this time. Uh, I think eventually the other auto companies like BMW, Nissan, and the, the other companies out there that are uh, making electric vehicles, Toyota, they'll eventually get there. But at this time, they don't have the ability to compete with Tesla. Um, what I find funny is if the argument is that, hey, we need to have electric vehicles because of, um, you know, our environment, it, there's a less of an impact on our environment. Um, and if that is something that Elon Musk truly believed, then why wouldn't he make his technology available for everyone to use, pull from, and potentially progress? Um, I think he's cornering the market for financial reasons. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he's got to make money somehow. Otherwise, he's never going to send someone to Mars. Right. Um, you all buy flamethrowers from him. That'll help put people on Mars. Uh, you buy his cars, we're putting people on Mars. Um, you, he, in my opinion, he's not so much, yes, he's copyrighted. Uh, there's a lot of proprietary technology in use from Tesla, but it's not necessarily uh, 
because of that, they've had other auto manufacturers try to reverse engineer the technology and the technology is just that much more advanced. He's got the buying power to buy the right engineers, the right scientists. Um, he's not like your Ford or your Toyota. Uh, your parts are coming from how many different manufacturers? Uh, yes, most of your Toyota parts are made by Toyota, but the electronics, the components are not made. Toyota doesn't make the circuit boards. Toyota's right. not making the, 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 the wires. Literally, Tesla has made every component within its vehicle, and they've been able to iterate on that without having, you know, Toyota can't say, I need better computer in the car without going to the manufacturer of the computer, them programming. It's not in-house. There's delays, costs, Tesla's all in-house, and they're able to do it much quicker mm -hmm. uh, because of that. So to circle back, because I know we veered off topic there, if the conspiracy is that 5G could potentially cause a virus outbreak such as COVID-19, then the second part of that conspiracy is why is that, why is that happening? Um, and then this is where you really break out your tinfoil hat and and oh, I, I can connect. I can connect yeah. Tesla directly to coronavirus for you. I, I've got the connection. Right. Um, his purchase uh, two years ago of non-FDA approved BiPAP ventilators, like the traditional CPAP for uh, sleep apnea, he purchased two years ago a company, um, and all of their inventory of BiPAP, non they're non-FDA approved for ventilators, which is what everyone needs now for the coronavirus. Um, now, because of the coronavirus, the FDA has said that these BiPAP machines in today's circumstances are FDA approved because there's a national shortage on actual ventilators. Tesla is giving a good portion of, the, of them away, but it's also making a good bit of money on them. Exactly. So I think if you if you make the connection this is all a result of of control whose control you could say big corporations you could say the government you could say that the government are in cahoots with the big corporations and that wouldn't be a far stretch as you know the people governing our country at least are being influenced by lobbyists and the lobbyists with the most money are the ones that have the most influence. And mm -hmm. those lobbyists tend to come from big corporations. Um, so you could, one would assume that they're pushing for 5g so that, um, so that we can utilize IOT and everything can be connected to the grid or even the matrix, if you want to call it that, so they can take all this data and profit off of it. And if that comes with the death of X amount of human beings, it was worth it because in the end, the end goal is there. And you can even get crazier. All right, now that we have the virus, how do we cure the virus? Well, we need to come up with some sort of vaccine that we now will expose to everyone and make a bunch of money off of that as well. So you can really kind of get crazy and go down the rabbit hole, but um, it follows quite good with uh, I am legend. Go watch that right now. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. New York, the, the, the whole way the, the vaccine, you know, it's a, a cure for cancer and it's a vaccine created out of necessity through measles and rushed to the public and this company's stocks skyrocket. And then all of a sudden, uh, zombies. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, but if you're if you're if you do happen to listen to this podcast and you're bored, if you just go on Google, type in uh, Wuhan civilians knock down five G towers or something along those lines. In fact, Snopes even has an article on it. Someone on Twitter released it and it went viral where they're showing all of these Chinese citizens um, in Wuhan like trying to pull down the 5G towers. And the reason why they were trying to pull down the 5G towers 
is because that they thought that that had uh, a reason or that was the reason behind why they were getting sick. This was very early on before they even had a name for this coronavirus and COVID-19 and everything. But to them, that was the only thing noticeable or noticeably different. And they thought that the reason why all these people were getting sick and dropping dead was because of the 5G towers. The funny thing is Snopes, which honestly, I'm not a huge fan of that website because I do think they're biased they often provide like uh, a conclusion as to uh, yes, this is true. No, it's false. And they give research or evidence as to how they back up those claims. The Snopes article about this particular event doesn't really say it's true or false. They basically, uh, I think they, they say that it's a miscaption, which their definition of something being miscaptioned is, yes, it's true that that event took place. Yes, it's true. That's why they were doing it. But it's miscaptioned because there's no scientific evidence or research to um, say that the 5G towers are the reason why the people were dying and, and, and getting ill. So um, based on that information, uh, I find it very, very, very weird that, um, you know, that even the Chinese people that were initially first exposed to all of this, that was their initial conclusion that they drew as well, that, hey, it's got to be because they put up all these darn 5G towers. Ever since that those have been up, every, you know, people are getting sick and they went started to knock them down. Um, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know if that's the reason why, but um, I just think it's there's a lot of weird coincidences, a lot of weird coincidences. Well, as we keep going through the podcast through uh, these next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to do a couple more episodes. I, I'd love to have a, a, a check-in with the coronavirus corner uh, with, with Josh here. Uh, <laughs> he can keep us updated on this story. And, and thank you again for uh, providing us a very, very good, quick dive down a rabbit hole that uh, I knew you'd bring to this podcast. <laughs> That's my job, man. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the two different perspectives of what we think is weird about the internet today. Uh, again, I kind of uh, took a, a small little chance to give you a, a personal story about something that happened to me with the online game and uh, what is called the great internet heist uh, of in-game currency within EVE Online. And Josh uh, took us down a wonderful rabbit hole of COVID 5G, the coronavirus. Uh, was it caused by the 5G cellular towers? Uh, we'll keep you updated. I'm uh, still on the fence and the jury's still out. Josh, do you have any, uh, uh, Anything to add on your story to help suede uh, <laughs> me onto your side here? Because I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I do understand the dangers of 5G. I don't quite. Yeah, it, it, it requires a leap of faith. I mean, and I'm no, I don't know if I'm even 100% convinced myself either. Uh, but just one last thing that I just found, find interesting is when this whole, my wife, by the way, she works for a school district. So when this whole COVID-19 outbreak took place, um, you know, they started shutting down all of the schools. Everyone began working from home. Uh, she had a friend, someone that she works with, realized that there were a bunch of people um, out near one of the schools. Um, they were building something. Um, so she went and contacted the school to kind of figure out, you know, what's going on because they're making all of the employees stay at home, um, you know, work from home. They're not able to go out and work in the school district and the students can't show up and so forth. But yet there's a bunch of people at the school or near the location of the school working during the outbreak. It was just out of mere curiosity. Um, when she spoke to the person, they said, no, they have the right to be out there. They're essential workers, something along those lines. Um, she then kind of implored them, well, what are they doing? And she just, uh, the, the woman uh, said back to her, oh, they're building a uh, cell tower. Um, she then said, oh, is it a 5G cell tower? And the lady was like, I can't really go into details. And that was the end of the discussion. Um, the only reason why I bring that up is because despite the outbreak, despite the pandemic, when there's been orders to self-quarantine and everyone should stay inside, they are still currently building 5G towers in the United States. There's 154,000 5G towers 
as of today, and that number is going to continue to grow despite there being orders from governors, our government, the president to self-quarantine, uh, the telecom companies are still out there making money, building 5G towers. I find that to be very interesting. There's a, a, a big disconnect between what's considered essential and, and what's not right now. And that that's interesting to find that uh, they're uh, still somewhat exempt. And I think that <laughs> will lead me to concede on this episode, <laughs> uh, although my story was weird, uh, it was weird in a different way. It was weird because yeah. the guy is just playing a video game for fun and and trolling thousands of players in a game by holding their currency, uh, and so far is avoiding any legal repercussion from it. Yep. And the weirdest thing about it, about that story, is that he took all of that currency and he basically just hoarded it, sat on it, didn't do anything. Um, now you could. My first initial reaction when you were telling that story was, "Hey, you know, if I was that guy, I take that currency, I trade it in for some real-world money, I go out buy myself a Ferrari, a new house, or something like that." Um, and I and I was like, you know, that would be really crazy. Like, what if this guy took all that money and just blew it? But now that I think about it, what's even crazier is that he just held on to the to the uh, currency and didn't do anything with it. It's weird. Like, what are his plans? Can we get this guy on the podcast? The better title may have been Eve's greatest troll. <laughs> That's and what with, he is, man. And with that, we're going to uh, end the first episode of Generation Web. I do want to uh, make sure you guys check us out on Twitter at uh, GenWebPod. Uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash Generation Web. And again, a quick reminder, this episode is sponsored by Anchor. You can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started creating your own podcast today. We'll see you guys next week. See you.